The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota on November 17, 2013, based on 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 through chapter 3, verse 5. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit strengthens our faith in Jesus is the second lesson from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and 3. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not everyone has faith, but the Lord is faithful. And he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. When is Jesus coming again? That's an easy question. He's coming on the last day. When will that be? That's an impossible question. God hasn't told us the answer. But that doesn't mean that Jesus' return is unimportant. By one count, his return is mentioned 318 times in the New Testament. That's arguably more than any other doctrine. And Jesus himself thought it very important for his disciples to be thinking about his return You see, on Tuesday, in the final hours of Tuesday of Holy Week, Jesus takes the time to instruct his disciples about this. But his focus was not on when, but on what we are to be doing until he returns. Keep watch, he said, for he'll come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. Be ready like the five wise virgins who had oil for their lamps when the bridegroom came. Be faithful servants, busy with the work that our master gives us to do until he comes back. And the word of God before us here also keys us in on a key aspect of what it means to be faithful servants waiting 
for our Lord, busy with the work he has given us to do. We see one aspect of that work is prayer. In the text here, the apostle prays for the Christians in Thessalonica and in turn asks for their prayers. In addition, the apostle also brings out another key aspect of our work as faithful servants. He commands the Christians in Thessalonica to stand firm and hold on to the teaching that was passed on to them. That too is the work of faithful servants. And so, dear Christian friends, we come to our theme here today. Pray, holding on to God's truth till the end. And as we look at this word of God, we see three things to be praying about. As you pray, one, give thanks for God's love. Two, seek the courage to do what's right. And three, plead for our Lord's word to spread. Pray about these things as you hold on to God's truth till the end. Now the Christians in Thessalonica had difficult times to go through. During Paul's brief stay there, he was probably there for less than a month. Persecution broke out against the Christians. That's why Paul was snuck out of town during the night by by the Christians there because his message, the message of Jesus Christ raised such opposition and the Christians that were left in Thessalonica had to deal with that day after day. In addition, there also seemed to be some confusion among the Christians about Jesus' return. Some thought that maybe he had already come back and they had missed out on it. Others figured that since Jesus is coming, why bother working? And so they just gave in to laziness. To instruct and encourage them, Paul writes this letter. And as he writes, he directs them towards God's love. For you see, as they thought about Christ's return, there was some worry. How can I, sinner that I am, stand blameless before the holy judge? And so Paul directs them towards God's love. But as we think about this, this isn't just some generic kind of love that Paul writes about. That generic kind of love that sometimes comes across when someone says, don't worry, be happy, God loves you. And Paul simply isn't giving a pat answer with empty words that simply roll off the lips without any thought. And that's a danger we need to guard ourselves against. We become so used to reciting John 3.16 or saying, uh, Jesus loves me, he died for us, he forgives us, that we fail to think of what a profound wonder and amazing truth that is. Now generic love or pat answers do you and me no good when our conscience accuses us. The holy judge is coming. How can I stand before him, sinner that I am? Who can stand before him with a clean heart? Generic love and pat answers do us no good either when our hearts worry us. 
How can my heart persevere in holding on to God's truth and remaining faithful until Jesus returns despite all the troubles, temptations, and false teachings that attack my faith day after day? But here, dear friends, here we have the real answer. Paul directs our troubled hearts and our guilty consciences towards the only real answer. Listen again here and marvel at the wonder of God's love. Paul writes, But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like a beautiful diamond with many, many facets, Paul holds before us the wonder of God's love, that every time we take a look at it from a different angle, we see even more profound wonders. He writes, First of all, loved by the Lord. Jesus is our Lord. We are his people. But it was not always that way. We began life in rebellion against him. But he paid the ransom price for us lost and condemned creatures. He redeemed us, purchased us to be his own dear people. What comfort that gives our troubled hearts to gaze at the wonder of the love of our Savior towards us in that sacrifice he made in our place. But Paul doesn't stop there, does he? He doesn't just limit God's love to that time on Calvary or to the manger in Bethlehem. He goes all the way back to before creation. He writes... From the beginning, God chose you to be saved. Yes, God's love goes from all eternity before we even existed. God's love reached out. God chose us. And since we did not even exist, his choice is not based on anything in you or me but entirely on his good and gracious will in Christ. That's why you and I can have that confidence, that certainty, because it's not based on what we are or who we are. It's based on God's grace and mercy, not on us. What truth to hold on to, what love to give thanks for. And because of his grace that chose us, In Christ, God also set up the way to bring you and me the salvation he planned out for us. The apostle writes, he called you to this through our gospel. Through the gospel, that good news of free forgiveness in Christ alone. That's how the Lord called you and me out of the darkness into the marvelous light of the kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ. Through that gospel, 
that he brings into our life through his word and through baptism and through the Lord's Supper. He has brought us into his kingdom and keeps us there. For you see, the gospel is powerful and effective to keep you and me in the one true faith until the end. What truth to hold on to. What love to give thanks for. And note also, the effect that gospel has inside of us. Paul writes, saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Through the gospel, the Holy Spirit sanctifies our spirit. That is, he sets us apart for God. He washes us clean of guilt. He clothes you with the holiness of Jesus Christ so that God calls you his saints. He counts you as blameless. And the Spirit's gospel work has brought our hearts to believe this truth. Faith receives God's promise. Faith knows and trusts that in the final judgment we will stand there blameless and holy before the judge. Not based on our works in any way. We'll stand there holy and blameless because of the merit of Jesus Christ, our Savior. What truth to hold on to. What love to give thanks for. And finally, note what God's love has in ultimately in store for us. As Paul writes that God did all this so that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a rich salvation his love has planned out for you and me and all who believe. The glory of heaven before the throne of the Lamb who was slain but now reigns forever and ever. What truth to hold on to. What love to give thanks for. And as we give thanks to God for this great and gracious love that he has showered on us, We not only give thanks for that love toward us, but also toward our fellow Christians. Notice that is what Paul is saying there. He cannot help but give thanks, not only for the love God's shown to him, but but especially for that love God's shown to the Christians there in Thessalonica. And so also, dear Christian friends, as we await our Savior's return, as faithful servants holding on to the truth, We give thanks to God for his love, not only towards us, but towards our fellow Christians as well. Pray, holding on to God's truth as you give thanks for his love. And as that love fills our hearts, it also moves us to seek the courage to do what's right. That too is part of our prayers as faithful servants holding on to God's truth. We seek the courage to do what is right, which brings us to the second part here. You see, God's love for us is not a license for spiritual laziness. Rather, maybe picture picture ourselves as, as a train engine. We are eager to chug along doing what is right, Because God's love is that fuel. God's love towards us is that fuel that empowers us and gives us the courage and the strength to do what is right. The apostle prays about that when he says, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father 
who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Seek the courage to do what is right. Seek that strength for every good deed and word. And how does how, how do we find the answer to that seeking, that prayer? By holding on to God's truth. For you see, the Lord, way the Lord answers that prayer that seeks courage and strength to do what's right is through the truth, through the gospel in word and sacraments. In a way, it's similar to when we pray for our daily bread. We know that the Lord blesses us with our daily bread as we go do the work he gives us to do, earning a living. And so also, as we pray for this spiritual strength and courage to do what is right, the Lord answers that by feeding our faith, strengthening our faith through the gospel in word and sacrament. Seek the courage to do what's right as you search God's word seeking to know his love better and better. For his love, revealed in his word, strengthens us to persevere in every good deed and word. God answers this prayer as well when you remember your baptism and the promises that God made to you personally. Through the water and the word, you were reborn into his family. The almighty God became your father. That's why Paul can address him as our father here. Now think about what courage that gives us to do what is right in this life. You've got the almighty God at your back. He is your father watching over you, taking care of you, giving you eternal encouragement and good hope. And think about that hope. In baptism, or as a baptized child of God, you are also an heir of everlasting life, an heir of heaven. So what if troubles and crosses afflict our earthly life? So what if we face ridicule for doing what is right? Paradise is waiting for you who believe. What courage and strength that gives us to persevere in every good deed and word. What a reason to keep on seeking that courage to do what is right as we pray, holding on to the truth, knowing that God answers that prayer through his word and sacraments, strengthening our hearts and encouraging our faith. And as we strive to do what is good and right in our own lives, we also look out and see what a great need this world has for hearing God's truth. And that brings us to the the final thing to pray about here. Pray and plead for our Lord's word to spread. God's love wants all to be saved. And yet without faith in Jesus Christ, a person is lost. Only God's truth saves. And so Paul asks, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. 
as we hold on to God's truth and marvel at his love that has saved us. We want others to be holding on to that truth as well, and so we pray for the word of our Lord, his saving message, to spread rapidly and to be believed, to be honored by others as they too cling to that truth. The time is short. Plead for the spread of our Lord's message. Yes, dear friends, Jesus is coming. Don't ask me when, but know he is coming. And until that day, pray. Pray as you hold on to God's truth till the end. And in your prayers, give thanks for God's love. Seek his courage to do what's right. And plead for our Lord's word to spread. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.